Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. We have pointed out in our first four radio programs on the life study of James that we need to have a balanced view of the epistle of James. On the one hand, this epistle is helpful in emphasizing practical Christian perfection. On the other hand, this epistle serves as a warning that it is possible even for a very godly man, as James, not to be clear concerning God's New Testament economy. Today we're going to get a view from chapter 21 of the book of Acts that James was not clear about God's economy. Bob Danker is back in the studio with me. Welcome back, Bob. It's good to be back, uh, Matt. Actually, God's economy is the subject of the entire Bible, and it's the central theme we find in the Scriptures, even from Genesis to Revelation. And God's economy stresses the dispensing of God himself into his people through the life-giving Spirit so that God's chosen people could be born of him to be his children, to have his life and have his nature, and could live and serve him in this divine life and divine nature, not so that they could keep the law. Of course, if God's people live in and by the Spirit of God, they will spontaneously keep the law. But the law in God's economy was not the central item. In fact, it was something added in along the way. And when Christ came and accomplished redemption and rose from the dead to be the life-giving Spirit, all the requirements of the law were fulfilled, and the law was put aside and no longer uh, became the way that God deals with his people. So God deals with his people through his New Testament economy, which has nothing to do with the law of Moses. You know, Bob, the scripture reading for today's program, which is on uh, James, Life Study Message number five, the primary thing we're going to cover in the program today is Acts chapter 21, verses 17 through 26. And I would encourage all of our listeners to read those Verses Acts chapter 21, verses 17 through 26, because it tells a story that is the basis of our whole program today, and it's one of the most striking portions in the whole New Testament to me, because it shows the confusion in James and the elders in Jerusalem about God's New Testament economy. Let's go to Witness Lee now for his original speaking in Irving, Texas, on December 22nd, 1983. I'd like now to ask you to open up your Bible and go to Acts 21, starting from verse 18, okay? Let us read these verses. Verse 18, And the day following Paul went in with us unto James, 
and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, including James, huh, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, listen, listen this carefully, huh? said, who said? James took the lead, said unto him, thou seest, brother, how many tens of thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. Could you believe this? He believed in the Lord Jesus, but he preached and taught Moses, right? He got saved through the grace, yet he insists to keep the law. It's a mixture. Now, here in Acts 21, he advised, to some extent, I would say, he begged the Apostle Paul, who wrote those two epistles? What two? Romans and Galatians. In these two books, Romans and Galatians, this Paul, he has fully annulled the law. Plus Ephesians, right? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says, Christ, through his death, has annulled, abolished the commandment of the law contained in the ordinances. Ordinances. Not only the commandments, even the ordinances. How to eat, how to be circumcised, and so forth. All these, all have been abolished by Christ on the cross. Now this writer, after writing all these books, came to Jerusalem. The first church, the top church, the biggest church on this earth, which church had tens of thousand members. Then they say, brother, look, look here in Jerusalem, myriads of believers. They all are zealous for the law. Could you believe such a word can come out of such a godly man to advise, rather to beg, this great apostle to come back to the law? Bob, this incredible advice from James to the Apostle Paul that contradicts God's New Testament economy is just, it's amazing to me. I just am shocked when I read this, yet it really underscores the point that Witness Lee is trying to make in this life study about James, doesn't it? It really does, uh, Matt. I was very struck by Brother Lee's statement here. He said, James believed in the Lord Jesus, but he preached and taught Moses. Whereas, if we read Paul's epistles, Paul announced Christ. Very clear, very big contrast between Christ, the living person, and the law of Moses. Moses, the giver of the law. Even Ephesians 2.15, Witness Lee quoted the Apostle Paul that the law was abolished by Christ. Yes, all these ceremonial ordinances of the law, such as the holy diet, circumcision, keeping of the Sabbath, all these things were altogether abolished. But James, 
even insisted or taught the Jewish believers to keep these Jewish ordinances. And then when Paul went to Jerusalem, James brought Paul into the same kind of practice. He entreated him to join four brothers to keep the Nazarite vow when God had abolished all those rituals and ceremonial things of the Old Testament through the death of Christ so that the Jews and the Gentiles could be joined together as one body, even one new man in Christ, with Christ as their constituent, as the person, not the law, but Christ is the center of God's New Testament economy. But James, it's very clear. There's a mixture here. On the one hand, James was a brother in Christ. He believed in the Lord Jesus. He was saved through grace, which is all a part of God's New Testament economy, or God's eternal economy, actually. But James brought in this mixture. He could not abandon or did not abandon the Old Testament practices of the law of Moses. And he brought these into the church life and mixed them with God's New Testament economy. And God is not a God of mixture. He can't tolerate mixture. God had abandoned the law, as Paul had made abundantly clear in his epistles. God had abandoned the law as the way that he would relate himself to his chosen people. He had used the law for a period of time, for a certain purpose. But when that purpose was fulfilled, God abandoned the law, and he brought in the life-giving spirit, who is Christ in resurrection, to replace the law in his New Testament believers. It's very clear from Paul's teaching. But here we have a clear view that James had not yet made the transition from God's old dispensation or old economy into the new economy of God. And so he brought in a mixture, and that mixture was devastating to God's economy. Well, Bob, let's continue with Witness Lee as he goes on with verse 21 in Acts chapter 1 with this incredible story of James. Let's read on. Zealous of the law, and listen, they are informed of the that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, seeing that they are not to circumcise uh, their children, neither do to walk after the customs, that means after the ordinances. I think Paul had to admit, that's right, but James, I did so. I did not only tell them not to do, I even told them Christ has abolished them. Then what? You see, James said with the elders, Peter there. <laughs> what is it therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that you are come. Do this therefore. Say that we say to you, we have foremen, we, we, the elders, the church at Jerusalem have four men which have a vow on them. They even still kept the vow, not only the ordinances, the vow. What vow? The vow of Nazareth. How do we know? Because this vow requires people to cut the hair. 
This is in Numbers chapter 6. What is the situation there? Just Jewish religion. Okay, we have four men. Have a vow on them. Then take and purify with them. You go to join the vow. Of course, here you don't have the history of their kind of practice. According to history, their practice was this. Some devoted Jews, they like to uh, conscript themselves by the vow of Nazareth. You know, to do this vow, you need to offer sacrifices every day for seven days. I think uh, I can remember, not so exactly, but roughly, every day such a volunteer of such a vow had to offer for five cattle. And the poor ones just couldn't make it. Then the richer ones say, okay, you cannot make it. I, <laughs> I afford you always. Okay, this is, as you afford us, so you share our vow. Now, it was so good that all came, four men vowed, yet couldn't pay. You see, couldn't buy the cattle. So Paul was advised, you better pay for them. Then you join, you share their vow. What kind of advice? Our dear brother Paul took the advice. He joined, he got convinced. Under that kind of cloudy sky, under that kind of a mixtured environment, it's hard for anyone to get out. Bob, let's talk about this atmosphere of mixture that Paul was under with James that Witness Lee describes as hard to get out. Uh, you know, in Galatians chapter 2, you see that same mixture affecting Peter. Here it affects Paul when Paul's in Jerusalem. But earlier in Paul's ministry, he wrote the book of Galatians and talked about how Peter was not faithful in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, and even that he was in hypocrisy by being with those who were of the circumcision. This is incredible that two of the top writers in the New Testament could both be influenced by this atmosphere, this strong atmosphere of mixture. That's right. It's good you pointed that out, Matt. Peter and Paul were the the top apostles in the book of Acts, yet both of them came under the influence of James's mixture, mixing up God's New Testament economy with the law of God's Old Testament economy. And from this portion that we see here in Acts 21, we can see that the strongest atmosphere of this mixture was in Jerusalem, with the church at Jerusalem. When Paul, who had been the apostle to the Gentiles, where you don't have the practices of the Mosaic law. Uh, But even there, Paul had to write Romans and Galatians to the Gentiles to keep the churches in the Gentile world from being invaded by this kind of teaching to keep the law of Moses. This is very striking. Then Paul, no doubt, he had a desire to help the believers, the misled believers in Jerusalem concerning the matter of God's economy versus the law. But when he got into that environment, a strong atmosphere of law-keeping, and it's very graphic here, zealous, tens of thousands of believers were zealous for keeping the law. Then the elders in Jerusalem said, we have four men 
That means the church had four men. That means this was a common thing in the church to practice the Old Testament ordinances, even the keeping of the Nazarite vow. The atmosphere was so strong, and Paul had a heart. He wanted to help them. And here they came to him, entreating him in order to be accepted by the believers here because they've heard you've been teaching apostasy from Moses. In order for you to be accepted by them, why don't you join these four men and join in their vow and even pay for their offerings and sacrifices for them? Then everyone will know that you're a keeper of the law. Everyone will know that you're just like they are, keeper of the law. Oh, Paul was, you could say he was seduced by this in one sense. Uh, No doubt he had a good heart uh, to help them. But somehow, this was such a prevailing atmosphere that even Paul could not withstand it. And he was drawn in to this mixture himself. Of course, Paul himself would never agree with such a mixture. And his writing in Romans and Galatians indicates clearly that he realized how serious it was to have such a mixture, that God's economy would be annulled if the Jewish things invaded the church, including the keeping of the law of Moses. That's not the focus of God's economy. The focus of God's economy is God himself, who was processed and consummated to be the life-giving spirit coming into our being to dispense himself into all the three parts of our tripartite being so that we can be the sons of God and the members of the body of Christ for his corporate expression. This has nothing to do with the law of Moses, although if we do live by the Spirit, we will fulfill all the requirements of the law spontaneously. So Paul taught that we should not allow the law to come in, but yet he himself was drawn into this mixture. And surely the Lord could not be happy with that. And as we see, the Lord actually intervened in that situation as you read the book of Acts. Let's go back to Witness Lee now for the conclusion of today's life study. I sympathize with Paul. You cannot condemn him because he has a ground. He said to the Galatians, Romans, and Ephesians who would check with him, Paul, what are you doing? Paul said, I did write Romans, Galatians, Ephesians. I also wrote 1 Corinthians. In that book, chapter 9, I did say, with the Jews, I be the Jews. With the Gentiles, I be Gentiles. So when I wrote those books, I was with you. So I was a Gentile. Now I am in Jerusalem with Jews. I am a Jew. So Paul took the advice and joined the vow and paid for them. Okay. Paul tolerated and took the advice seven days. To the last day, six days were over. Only one day more, when they got through the seventh day, the vow will be accomplished. Wonderful. But the law would not tolerate. The law came in. On the seventh day, there was turmoil and arrested Paul. And by that, Paul was sent to Rome to be judged directly by Caesar Nero for two years. You see, our dear a strong apostle Paul. He was still a human. He got, he took, he accepted this advice by those elders there in Jerusalem. 
Yet God would not tolerate. What a mixture this brought in, which was intolerable to God. The divine principle of God is always to keep his dispensations distinct and separate one from another. Even Paul got somewhat mixed up because in that kind of atmosphere, what else could it be? It's not so easy. However, man's sympathy with tradition and background always brings in a mixture of the new with the old. What a shame that a God-fearing man like James would have taken part in such a mixture. Bob, to understand the book of James, it's really important to see this shameful mixture that James participated in, Acts chapter 21. So I'm going to give you the final word here. Yes, we can see this, of course, in the book of Acts. We see it in Galatians 2, as you pointed out, Matt. There, when Peter came to Antioch, which was a Gentile city, he ate with the Gentiles. But there it says, when some came from James... That means from Jerusalem, from James, the heavy atmosphere of the mixture of the law. Then Peter withdrew from eating with the Gentiles and practiced hypocrisy. And Paul had to stand up there and rebuke Peter to his face. Peter was carried away by the influence of the law-keeping mixture. And then in the epistle of James, in chapter 1, verse 25, James talks about the perfect law of freedom that we need to look into this law and be a doer. That means one who keeps the law. And then in 4.11, James says clearly that we need to be doers of the law. So it's very clear. James taught the keeping of the law of Moses. And in Acts 15, when the decree was issued to all the Gentile churches, that decree ended with, and we should remember Moses. We should not eat things strangled and should not drink blood, as is taught in the Law of Moses. There was a little fox tail in this decree to all the churches in the Gentile world. Let's remember Moses. You can see it's very clear. James was under this heavy influence. And I appreciate Brother Lee's bringing out this divine principle of God, always to keep the dispensations distinct and separate from one another. God would never mix the dispensation of the law with the dispensation of grace, he would always have a clear separation. But with James, there was no such separation. And Peter was influenced by this mixture. And Paul, as we've seen in this uh, broadcast today, was strongly influenced by that mixture. What would have happened if Paul had been able to finish the Nazarite vow? God's economy would have been severely damaged by that. So the Lord came in on the seventh day and raised up a turmoil, and Paul was arrested. Eventually, he was imprisoned, and it was while he was in prison that he received new revelation, more light concerning God's economy, and he wrote some of his most crucial epistles while he was in prison. This was the Lord's wisdom and his sovereignty to preserve his apostle from that mixture to keep his New Testament economy pure and unmixed. Well, you can sure see, Bob, why Martin Luther 
depreciated the epistle of James and uh, call it a straw epistle. And the obvious question many have was, well, why would this be in the New Testament? And we've been trying to point that out program after program. It's there as a warning and a balance. I really uh, wish we had more time, but we're out of time. Thanks for coming in today. I appreciate the opportunity. And thank you also for being with us. Uh, We hope you uh, realize the import of this message today and are able to follow up with us to get the printed messages that go along with it, the life study of James and also the crystallization study of James. Our number is 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can write to Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send an email to radio at lsm.org. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today, and we'll look forward to continuing with you for the life study of James. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.